Hey, Kuya. Hey, Six. So last episode, we talked about needing to engage in proper discernment mm-hmm. of the social movements that we'd like to support. You also seem to imply in our discussion last time how we need to be measured in our approach. Yeah. I think sometimes rushing and not being thoughtful really takes away from us being able to discern and can sometimes lead us to what we've talked about last time in terms of bandwagoning onto social movements or even counter movements for that matter that we don't truly, truly understand. Is there anything you would suggest in terms of how we cannot rush or like even better yet, discern the social movements and causes that we need to join? So like in other words, like how do we make sure that we do indeed engage in discernment? Mm, Good question. I think before we can truly discern, we need to engage in what's called cultural humility. Mm. So let's talk about this after our intros. Hi, I'm Siggy, born and raised in St. Catharines, Ontario, and now living in the nation's capital of Ottawa. And I'm Jazzy, born in Manila, Philippines, raised in Toronto, Canada, and schooled all over southwestern Ontario. You're listening to the Halo Halo podcast, a delicious mix of pop culture and the Filipino-Canadian life. We at the Halo Halo podcast acknowledge that our creative project spans these areas and territories and are grateful for the traditional knowledge keepers and elders who are with us today, those who have gone before us, and the youth that inspires us. We recognize the land and benefits it provides all of us as an act of reconciliation, as recommended by the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's 94 Calls to Action, and gratitude to those whose territory we reside on, work on, or are visiting. I'm podcasting from this unceded territory of the Algonquin and Nishnabeg people. And I'm podcasting from the traditional lands of the Huron-Wendat, the Seneca, and most recently the Mississaugas of the Credit River. Six, when we talk about cultural humility, I think the first thing we need to talk about is cultural competence. Do you know anything about that term, cultural competence? I know the two terms separately, but when you put them together, what are you exactly trying to express? Yeah. So cultural competence, and let's start off with that first, really involves being able to interact with other cultures successfully and effectively. Okay. And what it also means is, is that... When you become culturally competent, it essentially means learning, understanding both the surface parts of a culture as well as the deeper parts. So when I talk about the surface parts of a culture, you Mm -hmm. know, it's the stuff that you instantly see, like food, the fashion, the language, the traditions, the holidays, right? Okay. So if I was thinking about our Jewish colleagues, you think about all of the different types of food that they might have, some of the, if you will, traditional garb that they might wear. Some of our Jewish folks can speak Yiddish, can speak Hebrew, and mm-hmm. reflects the culture. And then, of course, all of the different holidays and high holidays that they might have. But okay. more importantly, truly understanding a culture really means understanding the deeper parts. So it can be the communication styles, mm-hmm. you know, their concepts on things like time or justice or fairness or family or sometimes notions of beauty or manners or courtesy. And sometimes it also involves attitudes and approaches. So like, even if we think about Filipino culture, like we joke around about kind of Filipino time, but American time is very kind of like, when you say seven o'clock, you say seven o'clock. When you say seven o'clock to Filipinos, well, you know, it's not generally earlier than seven o'clock, but it could even stretch to 750, like 750, you know, Mm -hmm. in terms of Filipino time. And family 
takes on a much more, if you will, higher importance because we're collectivist based. Right. And when I think about kind of family too, family is more than just your nuclear family. It involves right. your aunts, your uncles, and a community, essentially. And that's why everyone village. feels like your tita or tito or your village mm-hmm. mentality <laughs> or ideas. Those are the deeper parts and the deeper ideas that are prized or valued, again, in terms of notions, attitudes, and approaches. And okay. I think the interesting part in all of this is, is that when you say that you're being culturally competent, it gets really difficult in what I think is an ever-increasingly global world, which you and I have constantly talked about. And if I think about what the Halo Halo podcast is about, us essentially meditating on our own culture. So think about that. Like We meditate a lot about what it means to be Filipino, but imagine trying oh, yeah. to meditate on other cultures oh my gosh take an entire lifetime it feels like it's been taking us our entire lifetime to understand what it means to be filipino and canadian at the same Mm. time so when i think about what it means to be culturally competent this approach really implies that there's this end goal that you can actually know everything and anything about a culture's or people's history as well as values beliefs all associated with their culture or their cultural values So in some ways, some critics out there in scholarship land would say that cultural competence is enough. And in fact, it kind of feels feels very daunting to try to figure out how to be culturally competent. Like when I kind of go through this concept of cultural competence and, Mm -hmm. you know, needing to understand the deeper parts of a culture so that you can kind of use it effectively. Like what kind of stuff does that bring up for you? I always, I'm just thinking daunting, right? Like Mm -hmm. even ourselves, it's a constant exploration. And I think this is something, a lesson I'm learning, it's ongoing. Right. And there's so much to know. I think when I hear about it, I'm, in my head, I'm like, I need to be open because there's so many perspectives and things to take into account. I can't swiftly go into one side or something because and I it's think impossible. Be yeah, like it would take a while to be an expert in another culture. Yeah, like, you can't be an expert in no. other cultures. I mean, like, yeah. let alone us. Like, I feel that we're constantly unpacking, unfolding what it means to be Filipino, you know, what would it mean then to be, to figure out another person's culture and history that's related to that? Like whether Mm -hmm. you're Palestinian, whether you're Israeli, whether you're Jewish, whether you're Arab, whether you're French or Francophone for that matter, there are all these different nuances and understandings of how a culture will see different things. And because of that difference and because that that is so big, I don't know that anyone could truly be an expert in all the world's culture. And like what you said, it's daunting to just kind of think about it, which is why this concept of cultural humility has kind of emerged in a lot of ways. It was first described by Melanie Turvalon, who I believe is a medical doctor by training in California, who started to think a lot about this. Uh And she says that cultural humility is basically a mindset and that it has a number of key components to it, but primarily it requires us to learn from others while also at the same time honoring those that we learn from and also understanding and accepting the differences we have with others. And all of this requires us to be quite self-reflective and or engaged in self-reflection. 
Hmm. And it's kind of what you were kind of talking about in terms of like needing to be open to other cultures. I don't know that we can be experts, but we can certainly be witnesses. We can certainly be observers and we can certainly be willing to learn about other cultures. But I don't know that we can be experts. And I think cultural humility kind of upholds that. And it helps us, again, recognize that we're not experts, but also motivates us to be, in other words, other oriented. In other words, it asks us to be empathic compassion focus and it also helps us see that you know when someone comes into a room an individual comes into a room they come in with different histories and multiple cultures so when you and i walk into an office a work situation even our bank or the grocery store you and i walk in with 500 years of spanish colonialism alongside that catholic missionary imperial ideas along that 50 years of American imperialism and capitalism along the way. Like we can't get away from those ideas. They follow us and they come into the room. Mm -hmm. And yet we express those just a little bit differently. In as much as we'd like to be kind of properly understood, cultural humility requires of us to understand others, understanding that they come in with different histories, ideas, and consumptions of cultures that can be different from our own. And it really sees gaining knowledge of other people's cultures and histories as a lifelong process. Kind of, again, what you were alluding to, that this is the end goal isn't about becoming an expert or having full knowledge about a culture. The end goal is really aspirational. And so you're really engaged in a lot of lifelong learning. And then the last couple of points that I just want to make before I kind of pick your minds in terms of what I've just said here is Mm -hmm. cultural humility in our self-reflection also if you will, gets us to illuminate on how we might hold other cultures higher than us or lower than us. Hmm. And it actually motivates us to fix power imbalances. It requires us to see other cultures as essentially as equal to our own. And as such, sometimes what we see is, is, is that we may have ideas that actually, again, either uphold or put down other cultures. And hmm. so cultural humility wants us to fix that and hold institutions accountable. That can sometimes look like, you know, what we've been kind of talking about for this four-part social justice series for February 2024, which is in this case, joining a social movement or advocating for change. I think the last thing to kind of pick up on is what you've already said, which is is that cultural humility also requires us to be open and willing to understand other perspectives, which I know that you and I do, and we may not have named it as such to our listeners or even to yourself. No, yeah, yeah. But I know that we are in a place of having cultural humility. Again, you know, trying to learn from others, understanding that individuals are different, but bring in lots of culture and history that may put them at odds with us in terms of power imbalances or power structures for that matter. So I've said a lot there. I'm curious to know kind of what your initial reactions are to this kind of naming of cultural humility. I find it very interesting when you introduce cultural competency. And in my head, I was thinking, do people measure that? Like, do people like seek out? And I, in the sense of Kuya, and I'm just trying to even think just simply, right, when we're going through social media and there's movements on and these people are like, I know all this. I want to share this information. And some of them you, you realize, oh, these are scholars, that have yes. studied. These are people that lived, or these are people that come from spaces where, like, I've dealt with this firsthand and I want to share with you. And then on the flip side, you have other people, well, I saw this post and it said this, and this is wrong. And they come into that. Is there a constant 
I don't know, surge of people trying to prove their competency that you've seen or well, like. And I think if you find someone trying to prove their cultural competence, that automatically is a sign to me that they're not engaged in cultural humility. And I okay. think that it's actually, believe it or not, wrongheaded to believe, as you and I have already been talking about, to know somebody's culture inside out, let alone your it's own, true. for that matter. Right. If someone is spouting off that they know everything, okay, fine. When we kind of check their credentials or understand their lived experience or understand where they come from, perhaps maybe they don't know everything. And in fact, that's what cultural humility does is it reminds right. us that we don't know everything, even if you're from that culture, for that matter. You know, yeah. which is what you and I constantly do on this podcast is really trying to understand our culture in many different ways and trying to be humble about it at the same time. So, yeah, I always worry or I'm always concerned. I'm typically concerned when I see on social media, especially those it's clear that they don't belong to that culture, but are upholding things that do you really know that? And maybe you do. And there's some part of your history that I don't understand and need to understand. But I do wonder about kind of like if they're very forthright about what they know about a culture, you know, <laughs> is that coming from a place of humility or expertise? And even if it is coming from a place of expertise, like you and I have also talked about on this podcast over the last six years is we don't expect to know everything about our own culture. Oh, gosh, no. So it's yeah. always interesting when someone talks in an overly assertive fashion about culture, I get worried. It's like, where's mm -hmm. the cultural humility? And in fact, what I hear instead is this kind of what I'm starting to debunk or describe as a false notion of cultural competence. And in fact, again, does anyone truly know the deepest parts mm -hmm. of a culture? I don't think so. I don't think so. The term cultural humility, oh God, I... It, I think we've seen this sort of expressed in so many different ways. Mm -hmm. And I think it's that openness and being self-reflective. It's interesting because that I feel like it's like this counterbalance of like, good, it's good to be culturally competent, but do you come in with this humility? And it's so funny. I have, I think I can talk about this broadly. I have a French tutor mm -hmm. and he asked me how long I lived in Canada. Right. And I'm translating this to French to English. We're talking, I'm like, Oh, that's interesting. You know, I, I talked about, you know, I was born in Canada, but, you know, that's an interesting way to ask it because it would almost be like you're assuming. And this is in French, like right, every second right. language. So I'm trying to express myself <laughs> with a fervor and I'm searching for the words of the tenses. And I'm like, it's funny when he was expressing back, he goes, oh, by no means did I mean to express it that way. But when he showed me about his culture and how he grew up mm -hmm. as being the only person in spaces where he would be like, even he's Mexican and he looks white, Caucasian or whatever. He's in spaces where it's been the flip side, where he's traveled to places and immersed himself in culture mm -hmm. and where it, it would be the flip of it. And he goes, by no means, he goes, but when you think about it, and he brought me some great time, we're part of this generation where a lot of the migration Yes. Into Canada where people had migrated in. Because by no means that I mean to like, if I insult or I like that question where I'm like, oh, you should see, you know, what is your immigration story yeah. and stuff. He goes, yeah. no, that's, th that is a good point. But from my point of view, I was thinking of this and I was like, oh, I, it's almost that thing of like being humble and that he had a story too. And the band that is equally as other, valid. 
And it was equally, equally and I just valid. Think yeah. that was so Ted Lasso of the sense of be curious. Yeah. Because, you know, he was trying to get to know me and we were trying to get to know each other and speak in French. But I'm like, oh, it's interesting. And even a different language. He's like, oh, I understand where you're coming from. But I'm going to tell you, this is how I comprehend. By no means was I assuming anything. Yeah, yeah. But And I was like, you know what? That was really interesting. But again, both of us are humble or kind and open. So I didn't take any offense. I just said, oh, I provide that alternate way of like, oh, sometimes an immigration story, like some people, because we talked about, acknowledge that, you know, different generations have different thoughts and decency is something that's really important. And right, right. Uh, so we needed to have like an, an openness to ourselves. Yeah. Which goes right back to it. You know, it's interesting. It is interesting. And that openness, in other words, if we adopt a cultural humble stance, yeah, it reveals our privilege sometimes mm-hmm. and then gets us to kind of correct it. And one example on this podcast actually was when we were talking to our friends from Filipinos of Montreal. Yeah. And when we kind of started to unpack a little bit about the racism that they have experienced, I think it was Sherry that said, yeah, we just get made fun of in two languages. And I suddenly realized right. <laughs> that, wow, we are Anglophone-centric. Like you and I in that moment were Anglophone-centric. And if we didn't have humility, we wouldn't have been able to laugh at ourselves and to feel the challenge of that Anglophile privilege that we mm-hmm. have that I think our Filipino of Montreal friends was basically explaining to us. If we were more like culturally competent, like we would have been dismissive of them. And I think that then they might not have guessed it on our podcast. (laughs) But, you know, hint, hint, Filipinos in Montreal, maybe you want to come back a third time. We love you guys. We love that. But you get what I'm saying, right? Like, you know, in that moment, we were humble enough to kind of laugh at our own Anglophile centrism at that moment. Because of that, I think that that endeared us and them. It created a bit more intimacy, I think, between us and Filipinos in Montreal. So I think that there's lots of advantages and lots of laughter that can kind of come out if we can, again, adopt a cultural humble stance. Mm -hmm. It also allows us to be respectful of another person's culture and history, which I think is what you were describing with your tutor. And it makes it necessary for us to move then at a really measured and thoughtful pace, which is kind of like what you had described. I don't think that this was like some animated discussion. It was kind of like really step-by-step trying to understand each other's perspective. And because of that, it really gets us to engage in what people in cognitive science call slow thinking, which Mm -hmm. is being very deliberate in our thinking and our learning and our understanding. So it leads to good decisions and actions. Because it takes time to acquire knowledge and frameworks and concepts. Oh, yeah. Like, gosh, Sigs, like it has taken us decades to even learn about our own culture. What makes us think that we can learn about other people's culture in a snap or in a blink of an eye? Mm-hmm. So when we do that, when we engage in a cultural humble stance, we're in that slow thinking And then we're in that position to finally discern. Mm -hmm. And then we can kind of go through what we talked about in the previous episode in terms of what discernment is. Something that I want to share with you and just kind of summarize with you as well as with our listeners is, you know, Mm -hmm. we've been kind of theoretically talking about what it means to be culturally humble. But I think just pragmatically, it means, at least in my mind, five things, which is reflecting on our own social location in society and in the world. And it means recognizing where are we oppressed? But more importantly, where are we privileged? So just in that example with Filipinos, okay. you know, me recognizing, wow, I've got Anglophile 
privilege, as opposed to what Filipinos in Montreal was explaining in mm-hmm. a lot of ways. The other, in terms of practicing cultural humility, is remembering that we can never have a perfect understanding of another person's culture. If we can't have a perfect understanding of our mm-hmm. own culture, what makes us think that we can have a perfect understanding of another person's culture? So true. So true. Yeah. The third is reminding ourselves that we don't know everything. And I think that that's kind of what we've been <laughs> contemplating in this episode. Always. We always, absolutely yeah. don't know everything. And then, you know, the last two are kind of, they kind of come part and parcel with each other. It means being okay with not being sure, because mm-hmm. we're going to run into people with cultures that we don't know anything about or are only having an emerging awareness about. And we have to be okay with that uncertainty. So again, being okay with not being sure, and then embracing mm-hmm. those opportunities where we're not sure to then learn about other cultures, kind of like in your example there with the tutor as well, is learning that person's history, that person's background, and by extension, their culture. Those are just kind of like five practical ways of being able to adopt a culturally humble stance. And Sigs, I see you doing these things too. It's so funny. It's a nice refresher, but I I like that it's attached. Like this is humility mm-hmm. in the sense and like uh, being open. And I think especially with what's going on in social media and even like relating to others and understanding and finding out more, just so we can give people a chance to learn more. And, right. you know, I think it's so important. It's not it's- just stopping at a social movement. It's really encouraging you to yeah. embrace these opportunities, like you said. Right. You know, the more that we know, the more cognitively flexible we become, right. the more we then understand the nuances of this world instead of just kind of getting into this polarization debate that we've been seeing occur for the last <laughs> decade, right? It's the last couple of things that I just want to say about cultural humility is that it gets us to strive for everyone and everything to be equitable and respectful, Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that that's why we've moved away from this idea of cultural competence to more about cultural humility. Again, just kind of recognizing, which then requires us to understand what our social location is and then understand the social location okay. of others. Mm-hmm. So when I think about kind of how Black Lives Matter kind of comes about, when us adopting a cultural humble stance, it really meant understanding our Black colleagues have not been provided much equity and that needing to correct that became a necessity of sorts. So again, it gets us to realize what the injustices are, where the power imbalances are, and then by extension, do we start to advocate for equality and equity for all? The other couple of points that I wanted to make about cultural Mm -hmm. humility is, is, is that, as I said before, in another way, it gets us to be okay with not knowing. And I Mm -hmm. see this kind of actually similar to Catholicism's view on moral and religious humility, where moral and religious humility is about, at least in a Catholic lens, mm-hmm. not can't know everything that God knows, right? Okay. You know, it, it differs in that cultural humility is not about being submissive or seeing oneself as lowly. I think that this is sometimes what Catholicism does, is that you can't ever know, and it would be arrogant to think that you knew what God knows. However, mm-hmm. it automatically puts us at a submissive or lowly end. But I like that idea that it's, again, humility just in general is like not knowing everything. The last Mm -hmm. thing that I wanted to say about cultural humility is it gets us to acknowledge that, again, we just don't have a perfect understanding of everything 
all the time. And what I know about cultures is, is that they constantly evolve and change. So even if you could theoretically understand everything, it may go out of date, out of fashion in, in a year or so, right? Absolutely. So yeah, so I think to kind of answer your question at the beginning, Sigs, around how do we make sure that we engage in proper discernment? I think we do that by adopting a culturally humble stance. And that gets us to slow down it gets us to then be able to properly discern. And as we're discerning, we start to understand better about other people's cultures. With this, of course, knowledge, knowing that we'll never know everything, but we're striving to know as much as we can. And as we start to know these things, we'll start to probably see these power imbalances. And then that helps us essentially figure out the social movements that we want to support or join. Sigs, do you have anything to add or any reactions to what I've said in all of that? It just gives me much thought. And I think we'll continue the conversation for our next parts three and four for this month of February on social justice. Yeah. I'll take us out. Take us out. But folks, if you have any questions, concerns, or your thoughts, would like to share your thoughts on humility and discernment, email us at halahalopopculture at gmail.com. We're on social media. We're at halahalopopculture on Instagram. And the Halahalo podcast is available wherever you get your podcasts. Rate us, download, subscribe, leave a review. Finally, we receive editorial feedback from Mary Beth Badian. Our musical theme is by Chel Turingen. We'll see all of you again real soon. See you guys soon.